With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the San Francisco Giants podcast for SB Nation. I'm Brian Murphy, former managing editor of McCoveyChronicles.com and avid Tyro Strata fan. <laughs> and with me is Doug Brizzoni, who now writes about the Giants on his Substack, GiantsDoug.Substack.com. Doug, what are your feelings on Tyro Strata, who just helped the Giants complete their three-game sweep of the Pirates with a walk-off two-run home run? I think he's a very nice young man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are you know, you're the yeah. cut of his jib good i like the cut of his jib he's a swell fella <laughs> and so on <laughs> well it was uh, the giants really had a back and forth third game with the pirates which we're recording right after that walk off uh very cool if you are not um a twitter user that's that's good it means you're a healthy person but you should check out alex wood's twitter uh he tweeted this sort of it might be on the giants account too but um <laughs> he was walking into the clubhouse right after the walk-off and I guess the lights were all down low and it was basically like a dance club in there. It was really cool. <laughs> and I, I was like, Oh, that's some good energy from a team. That's seems like it's had no energy all year. Uh, so it was cool. To check it out. Um, I, as I was scrolling to look for it real quick, I just noticed uh, our old online friend, Lars, the wanderer tweeting Tyro hit that. Like it was Carlos Rodon kicking a bat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we're we're coming to you after uh, after a week hiatus. Our, our you know we lasted the trade deadline special, and uh, right after the Giants handled the Cubs, and you know right after that the Dodgers just humiliated the Giants in four games. Uh, basically, the Giants have played six and six since last we had an episode, and uh, you know they're fifty seven and fifty seven. They are. Th- theoretically in this uh, playoff race still, but they're what? We're in this thing. What's that? We're in this thing. It's magic inside. (laughs) Oh, we're we're just like the Giants did this weekend where they trotted out the 2012 team for the reunion weekend. Oh, what a transition. Uh, We're trotting out all their... (laughs) All the old slogans. (laughs) 
Uh, it'd be funny if it was just like the sound of, of, of an engine trying to turn over. If like that was one of their new slogans. Uh, come on, baby. Don't flood. Uh, so, yeah, it was. <laughs> so Hang this in week, there. <laughs> instead of the cat, the cat yeah. is like replaced with Brandon Crawford's face, but it's still a cat body. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, this week we're going to talk about the 2012 reunion. And uh, Melissa Lockhart actually appeared on another podcast, not ours, but the athletic for the writer, uh, the writer for the athletic who deals with the minor leagues for the Giants and the A's. Uh, she had an interesting interview with our old friend Grant Brisby. Um, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit. And then we we're going to get into something that Doug wrote about, about the Giants playoff probability. So that's what we're going to talk about real quick. Let's do the 2012 reunion. Um uh, the pandemic really chopped up that 2010 reunion, which I, I think that's the one that's probably the most exciting to celebrate because it was number one. But I think what for me stuck out was how much, how awesome the 2012, everything around 2012 was. It kind of, you kind of forget that sometimes, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the, the middle child of the World Series, right? Because 2010 was the first one in San Francisco. 2014, everyone remembers it as the Bumgarner World Series. And that's not wrong. But like that's that's the the own the biggest individual performance like that you can have in a World Series that'll win you a World Series. That's what happened there. It's inherently dramatic, inherently incredible, and then people kind of forget about the 2012 team, which just you know won six straight elimination games uh, in over two series, and then swept the Tigers in the World Series. But they were a really fun team. They were probably the best of the Giants World Series teams, um, and they were they were so exciting to watch. You just, they should have been out so many times. And they were just like, no, just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. They were the best team, but they also had the most um, harrowing route to to the finish. The the World Series being the sweep that it is, um, it betrayed the national consensus, obviously. But... They were they were the they were an amazing team in 2012. It's I think it's easy to forget that because it's exactly what you said. You think of 2010, and 2014 more often, right? 2010 is like oh they have the pitching, are they going to get enough hitting? And in 2012, they they pretty much had a good balance of both. I think we forget that maybe Hunter Pence when he came over for that second half, he wasn't that great. It wasn't until I think what 2014 that he was really fantastic. He had like, a I really think he was good. Year. He was good in 2013. The team, 2013, wasn't, but, he, yeah, but he was yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but when he came over, he wasn't great. And then, but it's also like Mark, there was like the Marco Scudero thing, you know, performance in the postseason That was incredible. Uh, Buster Posey ending Matt Latos's career, essentially. <laughs> uh, that was an incredible, uh, you know, the, I, I, Kind of after listening to Ryan Vogel's song, he was in both booths for the broadcast. I really wanted to go back and watch that absolutely dreadful game three in Cincinnati. I remember it being like a really <laughs> bad baseball game, but they did score a run without a hit and they somehow won that game. And that really did. <laughs> yeah. They basically bad baseball, the Reds into depression. <laughs> they did. They're were, they were like, look, hey, Reds. If Scott Rowland's going to commit a 10th inning error that costs you the game. And there's like, no, yeah, we give up. We're done. Totally. So I hope I can find that somewhere because I, I feel like MLB.tv archives change. Folks, if you're too young to remember when MLB.tv came on the scene, it was glorious. It was everything, so good. Everything was on there. Everything. All the time. Uh, I don't even remember. There weren't that many blackouts. I, I, I will say this. I think if you live in Iowa that's always been like a real problem. Like it doesn't work for you at all, but uh, you could find the games, you know, 90 minutes after, no matter what. 
and um, and it would go for like eight years up until maybe three or four years ago. You could watch anything, anything they had, it was on there, and and now it's not. It's a real bummer. Um, but I do want to check that. But so we kind of talked generally about what it was, but what stand like? Do you have like key memories? I have a lot, and I don't want to go through them all. But I do, is there one that stands out for you the most? Maybe. Um. I mean, there's there's a couple of the obvious ones, you know. Obviously, but you mentioned Buster and Latos, uh, the, the the ones they showed the highlights of during the ceremony. So, like the relay throw to get Prince Fielder at the plate, um, the all sorts of of games like that. But I mean, kind of when I think about that team, I think of uh, so they trade for Hunter Pence at the deadline, you know, July thirty first. He comes over. Uh, someone is hurt. I don't actually remember offhand who was hurt for the first like 10 or 11 days of August. That Whoever that is came back healthy on like August, we'll say August 12th. They have their full lineup, their full healthy lineup. And then the next day, Melky Carrera is suspended uh, <laughs> for, for performance enhancing drugs. And that's, you know, that's like a punch in the face because Melky, as much as he's a punchline now because of his antics around that, he was one of the best players on that team. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible that year. He Leading was the league in hitting. Yeah. yeah. He had to do some bureaucratic crap so Buster could get the hitting title. And Melky was, it's very much Melky being like, please don't hate me. Please don't <laughs> hate me. Buster can have my hitting title. Um, But, you know, that's that's a team that could have, they could not, maybe not, not necessarily folded, but they could have really been dispirited by that because he's, he was a great hitter that year. And suddenly he's gone for the year. And they're all mad at him. Uh, I think they're all still mad at him, which is why he wasn't invited to the reunion. Um, but instead, they they showed the first sign of that resilience that would kind of carry them through the playoffs, where they just picked it up and played some of their best ball of the year through September. Um, and then obviously, October. Uh, you know, we haven't even talked about Marco Scudero looking up at the sky and Shawshanking in right. the rain. We haven't talked about Barry Zito totally redeeming himself. I, I kind of feel like what really we really, really need to consider this might have been the best one. Yeah. And it's tough because it's like my heart is always with 2010 because I actually wept when that happened. But that was that was more. But like 2012 had every round had something incredible. The season itself had something incredible. You know, I I would venture to guess everyone was basically in their prime. Basically, I mean, we're forgetting the season like Buster Posey comes back. We didn't know if his career was over after 2011 and he comes yeah. back and he has an amazing year. They get Hunter Pence, a guy that we've always wanted on the Giants. And, and he, he's suddenly a giant. Marco Scudero, great as an A, but like basically his career seemed like he's in Colorado and it's just kind of spinning his wheels. And then, no, it's he, he and, comes back and Freddie Sanchez is basically right. <laughs> And one another thing to forget, another example of that resilience, Tim Lincecum was bad. Yeah. Like he was just suddenly, he had been really good the previous year, like a step down from his Cy Young years, but still a really good pitcher. Uh, and then suddenly he's awful. And every advanced stat you look at says, no, he's fine. It's bad luck. But watching him, you know, it's not. Uh, but it was the first time you ever had to see that from him. And, and we got a super reliever. Going on, but yeah. then he became a super reliever in the playoffs. Yeah. Which it's was, just, it was all awesome. kind of clicked. Like you had... 
the you know storytelling has kind of natural peaks and valleys that like to hit to manipulate the audience to feeling the emotions that you want them to feel and that's the season that like absolutely nailed the the storytelling arc it was the first year i started writing for mccovey chronicles which now is crazy to think about that was 10 years ago uh, I was going through a lot of personal changes as well. So like, it means a lot. And it's, so, it's just bizarre that we've kind of, I don't think most Giants fans think of it right off. It's on the tip of our tongue. It's not in front of mind, I think. And so I think um, maybe we should reevaluate that after 10 years, but that's, that's why I really like the ceremony. It was just pure joy. No Aubrey Huff getting in there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, we don't to think about him. Uh, Ryan Vogelsong being like kind of a roving instructor around the around the um, the organization. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I liked hearing all the stories. It didn't feel. I don't know. 2010 felt a lot like it was a lot of guys. You know, their last chance kind of thing. Kind of putting it together one more time. Sort of what we expect from the Giants, basically. And 2012 was not that. And it was just like everyone at the peak of their powers, except for Lincecum, as you mentioned. Uh, but it had a lot of, it still had those redemption things. You know, the Barry Zito thing, I feel like cannot be under uh, overlooked. Rally Zito itself, like just not, it, it was incredible. No, absolutely um, not. That was an amazing moment because, you know, Rally Zito was happening on Twitter is, it was like almost a joke. Like, Oh, Barry it was 100% Zito, a joke. Really? Like, <laughs> a lot of, by the way, people don't remember this. Barry Zito made a start against the Reds. He started game four against the Reds. He was terrible. Yeah. Um, and so, like, here he is starting game five. That'll probably end the Giants' season against the Cardinals because they don't have any better options. Which, by the way, Bumgarner, also very bad in the playoffs until the World Series that year. Mm-hmm. Another thing that is very often completely forgotten because, you know, he has the, the legend around him now. Um but like he, he was, it was about the last month of that season, Bumgarner just lost something. Um, like Kruko always described as mechanics. I, sure. I, why not? It's mechanics. Was that uh, the year he only lasted a third of an inning against the Twins? I don't think so. I think that was, uh, I think that was 20, either 2010 2011. or 2011. Okay. Um, but no, that might, maybe they get maybe the Reds, uh, who, who knows? Uh, but no, he was bad, and then and he was bad against uh, the Cardinals in his one start against them in the NLCS. And Bochy was like, "We can't do this again," and that's why they went with Zito. And then Zito just turned in the performance of a lifetime, and that's that drove the Giants to to what they what they achieved. Yeah, it was uh, fantastic, wonderful. I'm glad. I, I was surprised. I'm not. I am kind of an anti nostalgia guy, but I really. I think it was just good to like remember the team. I have no issue with celebrating anniversaries of momentous occasions for franchises. That's not why I'm anti-nostalgia against. But like, I wasn't really keen to get into all the nuances. But there's so much. There's just so much meat on the bone for for what happened in the whole season of 2012 that it actually it's kind of like stupid to just kind of gloss over it. I only put three to five minutes in this rundown, and look, we're already almost at 15. <laughs> it's like there, there's just a lot to think about, and and. It's, it's, I don't know, it was great. I'm happy even thinking about it right now. So that was really cool. Um, you know, I'm going to transition now into something that also made me, you know, I breathed a sigh of relief with Melissa Lockhart on uh, The Athletic. If you, I think you can listen to it if you don't have a subscription. So you can like look it up on your podcast service. And uh, it's with Grant. And uh, it basically had some encouraging stuff in the farm system I want to talk about. Only because I think I'm, if I were still writing for the site, I would be like, okay, it's very clear that the Giants are not going to be a good team. 
basically, until the farm starts developing players consistently. And we're not talking about 24th through 26th guys on the active roster. Like, no Donnie Waltons. You and I have already talked about this. It's like, <laughs> until they start developing starting players, the next Brandon Belt, the next Brandon Crawford. That doesn't even have to be the next Buster Posey, but that wouldn't hurt either. Um, you know, and maybe Joey Bard is kind of settling into a league average player, which, by the way, if you don't think a league average player is an impressive accomplishment for a coaching staff, a development team, you need to go and do more studying about baseball history. (laughs) Baseball is incredibly difficult. And what a league average player, quote unquote, looks like, it changes over time. Go look at what a league average player is right now today. It's not that impressive, but just to put up those numbers is still very, you know, if he gets there, that's pretty impressive. Um, Anyway, so she was basically put, making the point of, you know, injuries is sort of the the, the theme of the season for the whole level. Um, and this is what we talked about with Roger. All the, all the dazzle, the, the sizzle, I should say, is at the lower levels. So nothing that's going to help him probably next year. But, like, it's coming. And she, was, she just reminded you that, like, well, uh, player development is not a straight line. You know, it's not like you start at A and you go to B. You know, there's peaks and valleys and setbacks and you go forward. Um, and Mike Farron got on my case on Twitter because I was like, oh, the Giants are like three years away. And he's like, I think it will happen sooner than you think it is. And I don't think it's like a slingshot where like all these setbacks stretch you into a situation where it can actually, when you release it, Marco Luciano is going to be in the major leagues at the end of next year. But it's entirely possible that 2024 turns into something. Um, but anyway, I just want to bring that up. She mentioned Casey Schmidt, which I think you have your eye on too, as a guy who's who's maybe going to, you know, shoot up the level here, shoot up the ranks pretty quickly. He plays third base. Yeah, he's a uh, he's very strong defensively, and he's also he's also having a good season with the bat. But you know, kind of my thought is, if you can play defensively and you can hit a little bit, they'll probably they'll find a way to move you up and get you developed. It's not to say that this is the most likely outcome, but that's what they did with Brandon Crawford, where they're like, he can play, we're moving him up, we'll just see what happens. Okay, that's an interesting that's I like that. I don't like saying it that's interesting. I hear you. <laughs> um I would say do you what do you think happened with Steven Duggar then? Uh, well, I'm he, not trying to put the, you in the spot because I, I, I'm thinking about it and I'm going, why did they, because he wasn't their guy? I mean, kind of, but also they had a lot more options with Steven Duggar. In like center had, field? I mean, yeah. They thought, I mean, they just let Slater, they thought Slater could do it and then they just saw him play himself out of it. I mean, so, I mean, I think Duggar is an example of them moving someone up um, because he can play defense and be like, all right, let's see if he figures out. And he can't. Like he, he also he, can't stay healthy. That, yeah, that he can't stay healthy, yeah. and he's he's not a good hitter. Um, but they, he's had a lot of chances, you know, now across a third organization to sort of prove himself um, as a hitter because that glove is so good. And so he, so that's why I think Schmidt will get that chance. Um, the same, it'll be the same chance that Stephen Duggar got. And I think Schmidt has been also a better hitter at, at uh, in the minors than Duggar was. Um, yeah, but. That, that will carry him so far, you know, that will get him his shot. And then it's up to him what he does with it. And what happened with Duggar is they saw what he did with they're like, well, okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was, a. am bringing it up because I mean, I, for, 
we're going to get into this in the second half, but my view of the Giants near term is I, I take a dim view with it. And so I also think it's incredibly easy to talk about prospects, sort of how I have been, where it's like, oh, this, the system the system had a huge step back this year. It's toast for the next few years until they start getting some new guys in there. But it's also just as easy to be like, you know, these guys come back and they'll be fine. They have a, they have a lot of skills. And so I think what I took away from her was, you know, I, I view her as a, just like with Roger, Roger's so good at pumping me up over all these guys. <laughs> he's so happy. He, there's nothing. Roger's coverage is incredible. He's always talking up the positives and uh, Lockhart's just like, she's, I think it's just more, she's on the fields and interviewing people. Although Roger's doing that too. Um, it's just, I think her measured approach is sort of like, um, you know, this is what's going on right now. This is where they wanted to be. This is where they actually are. Um, That doesn't mean that they're not going to get anywhere near where they wanted to be. And here's why. I think that's kind of, she does that kind of math. And for some reason it, like I said, I breathe the sigh of relief going like, okay, I kind of was hoping by the end of this year, you know what I mean? Like there'll be some sense of like, well, who might help next year's team? And then through most of this year, it's actually, that was before the season started. Now, most (laughs) of the season in, I'm like, okay, who's going to help the team? Is anyone in the team going to help the team by 2026? And I think she really was like, no, not, not next year, but maybe the year after, or maybe the end of next year. Uh, And then, but also she definitely seemed more like 2025. Some of these guys (laughs) should actually be in there. I'm telling you that that means a lot because, you know, the Giants should be in we should be considering the Giants in their second, like basically they're rebuilding still. Last year really screwed things up, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so when people look at the Dodgers, they see the huge stars and they see like, you know, Justin Turner, Trey Turner, uh, various non-Turners. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the thing that they're built on really is that every year they get two superstars up from their minor leagues who nobody who doesn't pay tons of attention to the Dodgers has ever heard of before. You're just like, oh, yeah, that guy. That guy's that guy's going to be a pain in my ass for the next decade. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and so that's sort of what – and it takes a long time to build that up. Um, and that's what I think they're trying to do. And so, you know, the way you do it is you collect all these guys who are really talented at the lower levels, and you're like, well, you know, a couple of them will, will filter up. Um, and then we'll be able to trade a few more for other guys who are good. And uh, and then hopefully it'll all work itself out. But that takes a while. And, you know, the Giants, just in terms of building that system, were certainly not helped by uh, by 2020, the cancellation of the minor leagues in 2020, um, along with everything else. I will also say, uh, by the way, Roger is so good at getting people pumped up. I still believe in Mikey Eady. I still think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't care that he's been out of the organization for like four years. It's going to happen. You know, next year, it's it's his breakout year. Man. Um. Melissa Lockhart also just brought up a point. I mean, I'm sure other people have mentioned this, but I I don't like consult every source, but I like what she said. She said, all of these injuries are not, these are not like huge career setback things, but that it's a, it's the organization is not happy that they're lingering, but she just made the point of like, you know, 2020 being off. And then some of these guys being slowly brought back in by 2021. And it's basically like a lot of these injuries are like soft tissue injuries. That's what she used. And she's like, you know, just riding the bus. You know what I mean? Like just building up the endurance to like be a minor leaguer has led to some of these players being injured. And if you're the Giants, doesn't it make more sense to just lay off your potentially valuable assets who might, 
I'm, I know I'm referring to people as assets, but if you're talking about players who you want to nurse along and have them play at their best, then yeah, if they're hurt, you're going to lay off of them. You're not going to push them. Um, if they're hurt, you don't want these lingering ish- injuries to s- snowball into something worse. So I don't know. She just was kind of bringing up enough practical points for me to be like, okay, maybe it's not that all these guys have just hit a dead end and they're now all written off, which is kind of where I was going with it. <laughs> but it was more like, okay, let's see, you know, if anyone can finish strong, which that, if you, if you read Roger's site, that's what he's really big on. Like, this is a chance for a lot of players to really kind of turn heads finally these last couple months of the season. And then also just to kind of bring some calm as like Luciano finally comes back and starts playing. He's playing well, I think, since he's been back. Uh, but like just to kind of come back from these injuries and and to kind of settle in your value or your what people think of you, remind them that you are a prospect. Um, that, that I don't know, just calm me down. Yeah, calm me down. <laughs> I'm sure you're like, whatever will be, will be. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm so used to guys not coming up from Giants minor league system at this point. I'm like, you know, I've I've seen it all before. <laughs> God, oh, by the way, I gotta say that uh that Prelander Baroa for Donovan Walton trade, that is a chance to be their worst one since uh whatever we decided was the worst one they've done in the recent past. That was a good one. We might have to revisit that entire episode yeah. again. Um okay, we're gonna hit a break and we'll come back. We're gonna talk about the rest of the major league giant season because apparently they still have some games to play uh all right we'll be right back if you are not a frequent reader of mccoveychronicles.com you should become a frequent reader of giantsdug.substack.com or both but whatever but this uh this week doug wrote an article what would the giants have to do or to do to make the playoffs and uh, it's a great article. It's uh, it's like vintage McCovey Chronicles back in the day. And um, I don't know, Doug, do you want to talk about, you don't have to read the whole thing, but do you want to like give you give a sense of what you were thinking? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, around the end of the year, right, in like mid-September, when the playoff races are really heating up, you'll always start to see these articles. You know, Grant will usually write them. He'll have like tables. But like, if the Giants do this, then here's what the, the team in front of them has to do for the Giants to make the playoffs. And they'll do it like September 15th. So the last couple of weeks, you're like, you know, really scoreboard watching. The thing is, by mid-September, it's entirely possible it'll be too late for the Giants to do a lot about <laughs> their playoff situation. Um, the Giants are way behind in the even the third wild card. Uh, they are currently, I believe, six games back of the Phillies. Uh, and so that'll be a problem, you know? get to six games back and there's a week left in the season. You're like, well, they have to win every game. And then uh, every every team in front of them has to lose every game. Um, So I just want to look at it like, all right, let's say this is doable, right? Let's just assume it's doable uh, for them to make that, to make the playoffs. What would they have to do? So I kind of ran through the math and I immediately looked at the Padres and I was like, no, I don't think they're catching the Padres. Um, At the time, the Padres were the third in the third spot. Um, I wrote this on, on Wednesday night. Uh, since the Padres have vaulted into second and the Phillies are in third, and I was aiming at the Phillies anyway, so that works out for me. Uh, but I was like, okay, so right now the Phillies are 62 and 48. Uh, at the time, they were 62 and 48. Right now, the Phillies are 63 and 51. Um, See, it's already working. It's already working. <laughs> and so I was like, well, you know, what What would they have to do? What would the Giants have to do? And so basically, I was like, uh, they need the Phillies 
to go uh, 25 and 27 or worse. They need the Brewers to go 27 and 25 or worse. And the Giants will have to go 33 and 18 or better. Um, That seemed the most plausible way to get them into the playoffs, you know, with two teams that both have to be bad and one team that has to be very good, but not unrealistically good. Um, And so I was like, yeah, if the Giants get to, uh, what is it, 80, 80 something wins? 88 wins, I was like, they'd have at least a marginal shot. Yeah. So it, that was my job. It's a great article full of Doug sass and, and humor. It's it's great. You should check it out. And all of his writing, it's always great. But I, I wanted to use it as a launching, a jumping off point. There's 48 games left in the season. Thank God. <laughs> 57 and 57. I mean, I'm looking at the Giants schedule or and I'm looking at their record. And I'm looking at what they're probably capable of we watched the bullpen which we don't trust if you see when you see the bullpen trust power rankings it's an important reminder that we don't trust the bullpen itself no (laughs) no not even Um, a little it's we're ranking lemons but basically you know i feel like 28 and 20 is is a highly optimistic and realistic it's in the the goldilocks zone of being what they could possibly do and that puts them at 85 and 77 and I don't think that gets them in. No, I don't think so either. I think, I mean, not with, I think if it was just one team in front of them, there would be at least a slight possibility. Yes. Um, and, and I, but and, with two, no, yeah. not both the Brewers and the Phillies. So like Dave Fleming brought up that they still have two games left against the Brewers. I don't, they have games left against the Padres obviously as well, but the Padres are more likely to beat their brains in than, than the Giants win. Yes. But if they, but you know what I mean? Like, so theoretically I could see them jumping over the Brewers. Could I see the Brewers, you know, knocking the Cardinals back down into a wild card team? I don't know. It's like, but it seems like that's the only area where they might be able to get in. I liked your Phillies idea, but it, it is amazing what happens when you get rid of um, Joe Girardi. Yeah. <laughs> and the Giants should also the Giants should also fire Joe Girardi. I know it doesn't work for them, but just just announce it. The Giants are parting ways with Joe Girardi effective immediately. We thank him for his contributions. I just see what happens. And you know, they're gonna get Bryce Harper back. That's important to point out. He's he hasn't even been playing in for them and he's coming back, so that's something. But the Padres are not getting back uh Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, breaking news. <laughs> <It's been laughs> right here for the first yeah. time on the McCovey Chronicast. That's right. Uh, he's going to save the uh, Padres about a million and a half bucks this year on an 80 game PED sub- suspension. Um, you know, I don't, I think getting one Soto kind of uh, buttresses them in that potential yeah. loss, but they were playing really well without him. So <laughs> they're, they're a really good team. Manny Machado's having an incredible year, probably close to what would be expected of peak Manny Machado. He's just a killer. And he has been really brutalizing the Giants this year as well. Um, But, you know, it's just, you look at it and you're like, yeah, it's disappointing after last year. Um, But again, I think last year really screwed things up. (laughs) I really think if you're, if you're Scott Harris, Farnsidey, you, you're going like, cool. If everything goes, you know, our scheme works when we have talented players playing their best. Right. That's basically what last year proves that it's a proof of concept. <laughs> now they have to go and actually make the damn thing. Um, and I don't think that they have the players to, I mean, we're seeing that they don't have the players to do that yet. Um, and 
don't know. Uh, is it controversial? It is controversial to say like the Giants are either in rebuild one A or or this is just uh, their the rebuild is has started since November twenty eighteen when he was hired. I mean, yeah, they've been basically constantly rebuilding and sort of papered over because when you think of a rebuild, um, you think of the Orioles, right? Right. The perpetually rebuilding team. Right. And the Giants aren't doing that. The Giants are like, no, we're we're not going to make the major league team completely unwatchable for the entire season uh, in, in the hopes of getting a better draft pick, moving up four spots in the draft. Uh, so it doesn't look like that. But the way, but what they've been doing is sort of just like, you know, this this roster turn. I remember it from 2019 when I was uh, covering covering Giants games uh, for the Examiner. When like it would just, be, I it was like every time I was there, every weekend I was there, they were calling up a new guy for his major league debut. It made my pregame stories really easy to write. Mm-hmm. You can just do the same thing. You'd be like, well, Aramis Garcia is really excited to be here. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mike Yastrzemski is really excited to be well. Sam Coonrod, just like over and over again, um, just d- trying to find someone who can help you. Um, and, you know, then they give them a real chance. And that's not something you can do on a team that's not basically rebuilding. Um, but since then, you know, they win 107 games. So it proves that they're, you know, what they do can work if they have enough depth and enough good players. Uh which they haven't had this year. You know, the, a lot of guys took steps back um, and then they kind of tried to nurse other guys through injuries because they didn't have the depth and the minors to cover for them. I mean, that's the other thing about 2021, right? They had, you know, as much as we, we talked about Steven Duggar, right, being not that good in the majors. In 2021, Steven Duggar actually was good. He was worth two wins over basically a uh, half season of plate appearances. Over a full season, that's a four-win player. That's like an all-star. Yeah. Um, and you know, he you did it with a 355 Babip, and like it probably wasn't real and every you know, all that. But like that's those are the performances they were getting from everyone who they called up. Um, Mike Talkman making reality bending plays. Yeah. Catches. Yeah, he, could, he couldn't hit, but yeah. uh we didn't need him to if he was gonna yeah. rob home runs like yeah. that. Yeah, I think I wanted to also touch on the subject because since our last episode, you know, the fan base has soured quite a bit on the front office and are, you know, making calls online, which whatever that counts for, um, in terms of, you know, this is not a fun team. Also, Baggerly and Brisby and, and you know, there's been rumblings of like, this is not a good look after last year. But it's sort of like there wasn't, there are very few paths, I think, to the Giants looking you know, retaining 80% of last year's value this year. I think that they were such a high point. You lose Buster Posey, you know, it's like, where do you go from there? You, that's as clean a break from eras, I think, as you have. And so you're really, last year, like you said, and the year before was like, how many anonymous dudes can we just throw in there? And it's like, well, they're going to just keep doing that. That product hasn't been that great this year. But I just want to point out like, yeah, I for me, my side of it is that maybe, stay with me, Doug, maybe the front office shouldn't have gotten 99.9998% of the credit for, for last year. <laughs> that, that Hear me out. Because it, it's pretty clear they're not doing anything different this year, right? Yeah, I mean, last year was sort of the the 
95th percentile outcome of their system and maybe 99th, I don't know. And this year is uh, 20th percentile, <laughs> 10th percentile. I, the thing is, we don't know how good this system actually is because we just saw it work perfectly. And now we're seeing it not work. You know, this might be the 40th percentile, right? This might be way more common than than the great season. Yeah, uh, It might be that the league like saw what they did, figured it out, figured out like how to attack these guys when they come in to pinch hit. And they're like, yeah, whatever. You can pinch it with all your platoon advantages. We'll still get you. Um, and it's, it could be that they're just, that last year they just threw novelty at the league and the league was, didn't know how to handle it. Now they do. Um, the other thing is that, for example, this year in combined in July and August, the Dodgers have gone 32 and six. (laughs) That's that's hard to compete with. Um, and that's another, I think, reason the fans are so discontented, right? Giants fans want to compete with the Dodgers. They want to see them like show up and really, but the Dodgers are just beating the hell out of everyone. Um, and so like you see them do that to the giants and it is depressing, but it also doesn't mean the giants are special. It just means that they're an okay to maybe slightly above average team that has to play the best team in the league 19 times. It's also a bummer because it really is like, it's, I'm sorry, you can disagree with me and I want you to, if you disagree, but I really do think it proves like the giants will be better than the Dodgers when the Dodgers, like when Andrew Friedman moves on. Like, I don't think it's going to be the result of the Giants finally building up enough talent and, like, their best talent beating the Dodgers' best talent. It'll be how it always works out. The Giants are just going to catch the Dodgers when their their whole org is on a downslope. So they've kept the wrong guys or some of the guys for a little too long. And some of their development didn't pan out. Friedman's moved on, whatever. Some weird... Uh, scandal happens to ownership and they have to cut back on Dodger payroll for some reason to, you know, help out Stan Caston with some sort of weird IRS charge. You know what I mean? So it's like that to me, it seems like the only plausible way that that actually winds up being like every year, the giants are competing with the Dodgers. Is that well, well that and the Red Sox stop gifting them superstars. Yes. I and cannot emphasize know. enough how bitter I am at the Red Sox. You don't know that that won't stop, but that is also <laughs> – that can just keep happening. But, yes, it, it's – that's – and I, I think I think that's what this – the whole souring has been. It's just – it's a tough pill to swallow. The Giants aren't there. I don't think that – that um, it's – I think it's worth criticizing the team after this offseason, but not even Farhan and, and, and Scott um, – or Zidian Harris, sorry. I know calling um, him by his first name ruffles some people's feathers. So sometimes it's just easier to say Farhan than Zaidi. That's the only reason why. So, but yeah. I, I, I think it's just, it's a bummer, but it's also kind of knowing like, yeah, the Giants are one of the crown jewel franchises, but they're still not playing on the same economic level as all these other teams, as much as people want that to be the case. The Giants have just a different set of circumstances. I also think the Giants internationally their development pipeline you know they don't have as many criminals working for them as the dodgers have so you know i'm sure the giants are putting together their own crimes.xlsx.xl spreadsheet but right now it's not it can't compare to the dodgers um and so you're kind of losing you don't have a foot up there but they are doing things like investing in the minor leagues with that complex they're doing cool stuff with their money in terms of basically buying prospects you know, they, they will take on salary to get, we've seen them, they take on salary to get draft picks. They um, will pay a little, they'll pay extra penalties. Um, 
one of the guys they what they traded for at the deadline they're like getting they're basically buying last year's draftees which is you know if you're talking about the what the draft is in July and then you're getting you're trading for those guys a year later that's still plenty of time to it's not a matter of if guys have panned out or not it's basically you get them a year after they've been drafted and and they're still like peak in development they're basically pretty new draftees. It's it's smart. Um, they did they got two guys from last year's draft at the deadline, um, and I, I think it's uh, they're doing things that are clever. I like what you said about maybe they were throwing novelty at the league, and the league has figured that out. I also think that they had no other they have no other choice. Like what? Yeah, are, like, I mean that's that's what you do when you have a talent gap. You figure out something else you can do. Yeah, and so <laughs> that's what they did, and it worked for a year, and now they're trying again, and it's not working so well. Yeah, that could be the players. I mean, maybe maybe if Lamont Wade Jr. is healthy all year, maybe they, the Giants right now are, are eight games over 500. And we're right? seeing he's starting to get hot. He's only played yeah. in, what, like 20 games? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but I think, you know, look at the Tyler Rogers of the world. Like, Tyler Rogers is – he should be on the Orioles last year, <laughs> you know? And, it like, that's the type of player you get – to kind of inspire your young guys who are learning to win. And it's like, look at him. He's competing, even though he isn't, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's throwing gimmicks up there, 75 and 82. And I know that there's been plenty of numbers to show how effective he's been. And that's, I'm not taking away from that at all, but it is like literally like the giants bullpen is built solely on like, these are the guys we could get. And this is what they bring that gives us a chance of being competitive. And I think that's going to continue until the farm system starts generating, you know, guys. And and like Melissa Lockhart kind of touched upon for me, we're still a couple of years away from that. But it could all turn in an instant, right? Because 2020 to 2021, who knew? Who knew? All right. Do you have any thoughts of what you're writing this week? (laughs) No, I don't know yet. I have no idea. Uh, We'll find out, won't we? Well, Madison Bumgarner comes back. The Giants are going to have four against the Diamondbacks, um, and they're going to play the Rockies in Colorado. Those weekend series against the Rockies, you know, the, those Sunday games usually can make or break a week for me. So we'll yeah, see it, Sunday game in cores. Oh, oh, <laughs> not looking forward to that. Uh, so the next two weeks are pretty interesting. The Diamondbacks have been playing better. The Rockies are always a pain in Colorado, but then they've got Detroit in Detroit, and uh, they've got Minnesota in Minnesota. And um, I think these next two weeks really do decide the season. Um, they do. I mean, the, you know, there is one thing that we didn't mention. That's obviously one of the biggest uh, news stories of the year for the Giants, which is they got the Bridge Trophy back, baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't do the reggaeton horn, but I want to. I'm doing it in spirit. Yeah, they got the Bridge Trophy. Um, amazing. You know, it, this is how you know the Giants are still doing pretty good. They – the A's could have played up and, and knocked him around, and that didn't happen. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's what you want. You want to be able to beat the bad teams. But yes, welcome <laughs> home or staying with us, the Bay Bridge Trophy. Very important. <laughs> all right. Uh, check out giantsdug.substack.com uh, for all the um, – I was going to say snarky, but that's that's like a 2010 word. Um, all the trenchant television dot without com <laughs> trenchant uh funny insight from doug check out mckevychronicles.com um i'm glad to see sammy writing there a little more often these days i hope we can get her on sometime and bother her 
Um, oh yeah, we should do that. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll see you next week with an all new episode. Thanks for listening and go giants. Go giants. Go giants.